Good afternoon, good evening, whenever or wherever in the world you're tuning in from. My name is David Nash. Together, we're celebrating 10 years of UNFD, a cornerstone of Australia's heavy music scene by diving deep into the stories behind just some of the records that made the label what it is today. In case you haven't already heard, over the next few months, the legends at UNFD are re-releasing a series of classic records from their back catalogue on limited edition collector's vinyl. So far, we've gotten our hands on two game-changing albums from In Hearts Wake, an epic punk rock opera from Hellions, and thanks to Dream on Dreamer, the very first album ever released on the UNFD label. Now, UNFD are shaking things up by showcasing one of the newest bands signed to the label. They're a band that has absolutely exploded in the last few years, thanks in no short part to their bold and emotive brand of metalcore mayhem, their one-of-a-kind personalities, and their online presence that has basically turned the UNFD social club into their unofficial fan club. I am, of course, talking about the one and only Thornhill. And it's not even an album that they made history with. Although their 2019 debut, The Dark Pool, is undeniably wicked, it's their 2018 EP, Butterfly, however, that really set the wheels in motion for these stage-owning mosh lords. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, Brace yourselves. It's time to get horny for thorny. Before we jump into the story of Butterfly, we have to go back to the salad days of 2016, shortly after vocalist Jacob Charlton and guitarist Ethan McCann had graduated from high school together. Now, if there's one thing the unified group has learned from working with young Australian bands and artists, it is that hell hath no fury like a group of amped up mates with a message to share and the determination to get it out there. At this point in time, Jacob and Ethan had only been to a handful of concerts between them. And of those in their local heavy scene, they had no idea what being a band realistically looked like. But they knew they needed to give it a shot. But how do they do it? How do they go from mum and dad's garage to a festival mainstay in the blink of an eye? Well, how about a ripping debut EP? Usually bands will play together for years before they drop their first second of recorded music. But then again, Thornhill weren't a usual band. They were keen to get the ball, well, less rolling and more just chaotically barreling through the wind at 1,000 kilometers an hour. Before the end of the year, Thornhill had their debut EP, 13, set free into the wild, and it was pretty good. I mean, you know, UNFD wouldn't have signed the blogs if it wasn't, but usually when a band forms and jumps straight into the studio, you can expect a couple of dents around the edges. Nobody walks out of their first day in the kitchen holding a perfect five-tier croquembouche, and no band's first few songs or anything worth busting out the good headphones for, no way. But somehow, Thornhill defied the odds and came out swinging with a couple of downright scorches in the pocket. 13 went on to score the band a couple of pretty choice shows in their local scene, thrashing up a storm with the likes of The Brave, Hellions, and Void of Vision. They followed the 13 EP quickly with two back-to-back belters in 2017, Tempera that March and Limbo that August. And that's Tempera as in a person who tempers something, by the way, not Tempura as in the delicious crispy coating on a deep fried prawn. That song in particular came at a pretty special moment in Thornhill's origin story. The legendary architects were gearing up for an Australian tour as before this whole pandemic kicked off, they were known to do from time to time. And Triple J Unearth put on a competition, giving one lucky up-and-coming band the chance to share the stage with them. They had this big, ambitious release planned for Tempera set up with the announcement, the single, the music video, all that good stuff. 
all planned out to the millisecond. Now, the band swear they'd never do it again, but they actually scrapped all of that just to make the entry cutoff for this competition. They uploaded Tempera to Triple J on Earth just hours before the entries closed, and not only did it work out for them, but it worked out so well that they ended up snagging the top prize from another band. According to Matt Van Duppen, who at the time was Thornhill's manager, the guys and architects actually changed their minds on who they were going to choose as their support act. They had another band they were ready and waiting to crown as the winners, but after they heard Tempera, they went, you know what? Now we've got to jump on that team Thornhill. Shortly before they started working on Butterfly, the bloke's original guitarist, Sam Anderson, decided the band life wasn't for him. Matt stepped into the role, that's the manager we just referenced, and soon enough, EP2 started coming together. Butterfly came together much more slowly than 13 did. There was a real process to refining it, making sure it wasn't just another handful of heavy and hard-hitting bangers, but a record that truly made the listener feel something. They thought long and hard about everything from the choice of specific words and lyrics to the amount of reverb they put on the guitars right down to where each song would sit on the track listing. This was, after all, our introduction to a new and improved Thornhill. It needed to be a truly mind-blowing experience, a roller coaster ride of energy and emotions. They brought the Butterfly EP to life with Jamie Marinos in the producer's chair, who they found thanks to a local metal band called Pridelands. Now, at this point in the podcast, I get what you're probably thinking. Well, Thornhill really had it lucky. Hey, they rose up to the top of their first recordings, became legends of the local scene, and then bashed out their breakthrough EP without a single hiccup. Well, not exactly. For Jacob especially, the recording was actually pretty brutal. Tempera took enough of a toll on his voice as it was, and if, if you compare that with the sheer intensity of what ended up on Butterfly, God, his tonsils must have been fucked by the end of those sessions. Thornhill quite literally put their blood, sweat, and tears into making Butterfly, and shortly after they released it in February of 2018, they were ready to give it the explosive launch it certainly deserved. Right after the EP started to make waves, the band announced the headlining show at Melbourne's downright iconic Cherry Bar. For reference, this is the venue that hosted acts like the Black Keys, New York Dolls, Airborne, some of the biggest rock bands of our generation. Not only was it an ambitious show for Thornhill, it was their first proper headline show ever. And of course, they sold it out well in advance. That show was the moment where it finally all clicked for Thornhill. It was their, oh shit moment, where more so than ever before, they realized music wasn't just their passion, it was their future. From there, it's been nothing but milestones and main stages for Thornhill and they have the Butterfly EP to thank for it. Working with Jamie, for example, galvanized the band's writing and recording processes, which led them to self-producing their The Dark Pool album just a year later. Jacob also found that because of the way he strained his voice in the studio for Butterfly, the live shows didn't exactly go as planned, but touring nonstop off the back of the EP not only served as great screaming practice, it also helped him figure out what he could and couldn't do with his vocal chops. And now Thornhill's live show is the best it's ever been. Okay, now that we've got a good bit of context on the Butterfly EP, let's go head to head with Matt, Jacob, and Ethan to get the full story. It is now time to talk to the boys that made this album or EP, album or EP, and we're, going, we're definitely going to clarify that in a moment. Would you please introduce yourselves? I'm Matt. I play guitar. I'm Jacob. I play vocals. I'm Ethan, I play guitar. 
Let's start with that album or EP. Uh, well, there, I mean, there's 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 six tracks on the on the EP. So there was there was Tempera, um, Tempera and Limbo were the two singles, um, and then we had the six track EP um, in Butterfly. But they were Tempera and Limbo were recorded like a while. How long before Butterfly? A fair bit, wasn't it? Pushing a year, I reckon. Yeah, pushing a year. Yeah, so they were out a fair bit before before Butterfly. That was when we were still independent. And then, um, yeah, Butterfly through UNFD. So let's talk about that period of independency, I guess you could call it. Were you a full-time band? I don't think uh, we're a full-time we- band now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We definitely, we definitely wanted to be. That's definitely always been the end goal for us. Um, the reason why we, you know, Release music as soon as Jacob and I finished high school in 2016. And you went to the same high school, Jacob and Ethan, same high school. Is that correct? Yeah. That's how we met. That's how we started playing like shows together through Battle of the Bands and stuff up at high school. So you've just put out 13. Is there a bit of momentum leading into Butterfly? Uh, Sort of. Uh, From from Tempera, (laughs) yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, from I, thirteen, it definitely, it definitely didn't pick up on thirteen. Um, there was a little bit of interest around the around the band at that time, um, and I think we landed a couple of. I wasn't in the. I, I just managed the band at that stage. I wasn't actually playing in the band, but I think we landed a couple of support shows off thirteen. Yeah, we yeah. we did pretty well. I think like we played some yeah. pretty big shows from that. Pretty well for a brand spanking new band, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I think it was very much like an introductory thing for for the other guys because they hadn't played in bands before. Um, Yeah. It's also because we did that thing of like, we really, we wrote and then released music. It's not like we had been a band playing local shows to then, you know, drop our first EP. It was, it was almost like us just dropping a demo. And Ethan and I had never even really been to a local show. Like, we didn't know anything about the scene or anything about anything we were doing. We'd been to, like, two shows in our life, and we were just like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. So, yeah. Matt, when did you officially join the band then? Uh, when did I join the band? Um, just before Butterfly, probably. Yeah, just before Butterfly. So, I think yeah, it was 13, Tempera, and Limbo were already out. And then it was... After, I think it was after we dropped Limbo and we were about to, or you were about to do your first tour with The Brave. Brave. Yeah. 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 I think I, I joined just before The Brave tour, but I didn't know any of the songs yet. So I didn't play that tour. Mm-hmm. I waited till, I think my first tour was the Void of Vision tour. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. So how did that happen? Um, you went from managing the band to joining the band. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I've, I, I, Why did it happen? I'm wrong, but I get the impression that um, I just knew how to play guitar and then wanted a mate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Basically, yeah, pretty we much. we're in like a sort of different place with our other guitarists. We just sort of wanted different things out of, you know, our futures, we think. And um, yeah, we were friends with MBD, obviously, through managing and you know, before that. And I knew we had chops, at least, to play riffs. So we're just like, yeah, two birds, one stone, I guess. So you're going in to make Butterfly. Had much of the material been written before you stepped into the studio? Yeah, most of it. Was it all pretty much done before you went in? I'm pretty sure it was. Nah, two songs were a bit all over the shop 
but most of the singles were done. I think. Yeah, Reptile was pretty much Reptile was like, done. Yeah, we finished that. Parasite cages, was done. Much. Yep. Um, I think I think Joy and Sunflower kind of got flushed out a bit more and rearranged the most in the studio. Yeah. Did um, this make the recording process yeah. easier? Uh, it did at the time because it was a nice sort of transition going out of uh, thirteen, which we like really didn't know what we were doing. Obviously, we wrote stuff ourselves, but had a lot of help from our producer because we still weren't you know amazing at arranging songs how we were happy with them and you know what felt like a satisfying sort of trip as a song um and then jamie our producer for butterfly sort of helped with that um which then yeah set us up to sort of self-produce our first album how'd you find jamie did we meet him at a show no i just i found out about him through um his business that he used to have with Lance called Half Moon oh, Recordings yeah. and they did work with Pride Lands, who we really liked and I'm friends with now. Um, so, yeah, we just hit them up because we sort of liked what, what they were doing and were interested to work with him. Could you comment a little bit about the Triple J Unearth competition that I believe you won and then as a result you got to tour and play with Architects in 2017? What do you remember about those times? So that um, that that came out of nowhere, actually. So we we actually kind of rushed. We we saw that that was happening. The architects were going to choose an opener um, for through through unearthed, like through a competition. Um, and I think we kind of, from memory, didn't we? Like, I mean, I would never do this again, but I'm pretty sure we like fully rushed out the release just for that competition. I think. Yeah, the I'm sure. I don't think it was. Wow. No, 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 tempera. No, it was tempera, but we didn't have visuals, so that was like how we got away with that because we did them for limbo instead. When you say visuals, because it wasn't supposed to have a music video or you didn't have any professional photos. No, well, yeah, we did our first set of promos. No, our second set with with Bromley, and then we did that with tempera, and then we did a music video for limbo because it was only supposed to be one song. Yeah, I think I think we were gonna we were gonna plan it out a little bit nicer than how we did, and then we saw that competition mm. thing, and I think we would we just like we kind of just dropped everything and, and and put out the track just for that competition. Um, which yeah, I would never do again, but it worked out for us because um, apparently they architects were about to choose another band. Well, this is what I got told by Triple J anyway. Um, architects were going to choose another band, and then we uploaded tempera the night before the competition closed i think and they ended up switching to us so i kind of felt bad but do you know what it was about the song tempera that they loved um no i mean i i I mean i i i really the the track and i can say this because i wasn't in the band at the time but the track was really really good and i think it was something um it was something different that people, I mean, not that people hadn't heard before because there's other similar sounding bands, but I don't think any bands were taking that step to introduce the elements that the guys were doing in a local sense. Cause we were still a, like, like a tiny, tiny band at that point, like still opening up small shows. Um, and I think it was just rare for a band to, to come out with the sound like that, and and really t- take a take a bit of a risk and do something a little bit different. So, um, kill your stereo so, said that there's a wonderful progression to butterfly that feels very cinematic. 
Where do you think that comes from? I assume he's talking about like sort of the feeling from the start of the EP to the end of the EP. And I guess that's like when... uh, A story arc, perhaps. Yeah. When we sort of, at least instrumentally for me, I like sort of like thinking about a release as a whole. And like, I sort of think about the track listing quite carefully as like why I want certain parts of the EP to feel certain ways. So it's, there's like a certain arc to it. Do you remember anything about the way you actually arrange the track listing to have that specific yeah. effect? Yeah, for me, it was like uh, Sunflower was a nice opener because it has that sort of long intro and quite, you know, like the double time beat that sort of kicks into it. Um, so it's kind of you know, nice, you know, like, you know, welcome to the EP sort of vibe. Parasite's just a hard hitter. That was a nice way to back it up a bit slower. Uh, Reptile is the main single. So, you know, it's a nice kind of centerpiece. Uh, what else have we got on that AP? My Design. My Design. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was just a nice sort of like yeah. weird song. With Reptile, what came first? The music video, the concept for the music video or the storyboard for the music video or the lyrics? Because I've got some information here that might suggest that it was actually the idea for a music video that might have come first and inspired the lyrics. Yeah, a lot of the time that's how I work because like Ethan's saying, he kind of thinks about an album release as a whole. And so I kind of just back that up on my end by trying to create a visual and like, I guess, vocal story to that. And a lot of the time when I hear his stuff before, back then especially because he wasn't sure how he was writing this stuff, Unlike now that it was kind of my job to make it the visual thing. And like, that's the first thing I heard. That's the first thing I saw is that the power needed to be, you know, it was dark. It was, you know, a bit gruesome and it it couldn't really be something pretty. Couldn't really be something feelsy. It had to be, I think, what it ended up being. And I just saw that sort of thing straight away. And we both agreed and everyone agreed, which I can't believe looking back on it. That video was a lot. <laughs> what about some of the yeah. biggest challenges of making Butterfly? Oh, my voice, I reckon. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for Tempera especially. And then I wasn't ready for where I took that EP because I couldn't tour it for shit. I couldn't even sing back then. I didn't even know how to sing properly. And I just, I had to go back a couple of times to Jamie and re-record vocals because I would just like, my throat would like bleed. I would just be, I could lose my voice for months after doing that record. It just, I couldn't tour it. I couldn't do it live. Like it was the biggest pain in the ass because the thing is like practicing, that's the thing. It just takes time. It's like a muscle, you know, you're just getting it bigger and stronger every time. And like, unless you have good bass, which I don't really for that style, you're just not going to be able to do it. Like, I don't regret it, but I do regret, you know, how live shows sounded back then. Cause I feel like, I feel like I, I let us down a lot in that aspect that we're starting to find out how we do it now live, which is, it's good now, but back then it would just make me anxious. What about one from the instrumental side? I think really just sort of like what I said with the producing side of things is cause I was still quite new to songwriting it was like you know just like needing that help sort of completing the last you know 60 not 60 percent like last sort of like 30 percent of a song because it's like oh i've got all these cool ideas but i can't really make it cohesive and make it feel like a you know satisfying four minutes so i think that was like one of the biggest challenges i faced did you describe some of your earlier work as 
mashups of ideas rather than cohesive <laughs> songs. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Fact, that still does. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, I like this intro and I like this riff. They're a similar tempo and they could sort of sound cohesive if I put this part in between and then it kind of works. That's how some of those songs came about. So before we get to the release of Butterfly, there was some support roles with North Lane and Parkway Drive not long before the release. What are your what are your memories of those days? Oh yeah, no, the ones I was trying to remember which North Lane show that I was talking about. It was the 170 Russell show. Um, yeah, God. Wait, no, that was my first show. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember. Oh, I remember because you couldn't plug in the Kemper, I think, wasn't it? Was that the show where you were freaking out? Remember? That was like the whole family thing. Tell us everything. That's why we're here. (laughs) Oh, man. Basically, basically, MVD joined the band and I was like, look, dude, I'm about to upgrade to this piece of kit because it's like, you know, the end game. We won't need to upgrade for a while. And he's like, yep, sick. And so we blew like $4,000 on this Kemper. And he got it and he's like, all right, now how do I use it? Because he's just a kid that's grown up on like analog gear. Yeah. And so I didn't even own one yet because I was a broke teenager. So I was like looking up how he could work this thing that I told him to buy. <laughs> and then it got to the first show and he like plugged his input jack into the headphones or something. And he's like, why is there no sound? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like so stressed. It was the funniest. Yeah. Aren't you the guy with and the it just chops? Started it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, facts. Joel still has to tell me how to work my gear. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. So what's I'm some going, of the feedback that you get when you, when you do release Butterfly? What are some of the initial feedback that you're getting? Uh, super positive. Yep. I think it was pretty good. Overwhelmingly I think positive? It was, I think at times it was, especially for me, because it was the first time sort of like bigger bands and artists and stuff were starting to notice us. Um, that's when we sort of saw like, you know, the guys from North Lane and like, uh, I don't know, other examples, but like, they were like, oh, this band's sick. And we were like, oh man, that like, that means a lot. Talk to us about that first headline show at Cherry Bar and what would have been April, 2018. That was sick. That was crazy. Did everything plug in correctly on that night? Uh, How about pitching? Probably not, but... (laughs) Well, tell know. us about it because that would have been not a culmination, but you, you would have felt so much gratitude on that night. Being you're you're, yeah. a Melbourne, you're all Melbourne based, I believe, yeah. is that correct? So to play at the iconic yeah. Cherry Bar headliner show there, that you must have felt such gratitude. I think yeah. it was nuts to sell out our first show. Like that meant a lot. To, I know to Ethan and I, that meant like a lot to just have that first headline show sell out and know that a lot of our family and friends are going to be there, and it just like. It felt like finally this this could be the job we were kind of dreaming it would be. And it was like the first representation of that seeing all those yeah. people hearing the words out loud. It was kind of like we got off stage and we were like, oh, shit. And our parents were kind of like, oh, yeah, I see. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I and that was that was like awesome too, because it, because it sold out. I mean, it's all about a way in advance too. Like it was, it was at least like three or four weeks in advance that the show sold out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that was cool because that was their first headline show, and we hadn't done hadn't done any touring, no, any sort. Like we played a couple of shows here and there, but yeah, this was the first headline show, and I think it. How many tickets did it do? Like 
200 and something? 240? 200 and something. Yeah, something like that, which was like at the time insane, like really, really cool. Um, And the show itself was awesome. So, yeah, I think we all just had a good feeling, uh, a good feeling in general after that. Those good feelings must have continued because I've got some more shows that you played in 2018 with bands like In Heart's Wake, Make Them Suffer, The Plot New. Then there was Unify 2019. (laughs) What would you rather talk about? The Plot New or 2019 Unify Gathering? You get to pick, Jacob. 2019, yeah, no, 2019. Yeah, please. Jump, 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 skip, skip, skip. Tell me about that because by now the album has been out a long time. It has been out a while. So you've probably captured some new fans. You're playing yeah. on a, you're And it was the first time we played a new song too because we played Coven on that from the did new we, album. Yeah. 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 First time we played it. So what did that mean to you as a band to be able to play that new song but also play it Unify 2019? It was crazy. That was probably, well, I reckon that was probably one of the most nuts sets of my entire life. Like that was insane. I, and yeah. I don't reckon, we, we didn't even think we played very good at all. It, like it wasn't a, the best show for us in terms of how we sounded, but like I, we had never seen crowd interaction like that before. We'd also never seen that many people. We'd never been on like a stage that big. Never, you know, played a set that long. I think. Well, not really. Uh, like it wasn't often. It was a fairly short set. I think I'm pretty sure it was only half. Was an it? Hour. I think it was half a, a bit yeah. over half. A. Actually, well, back yeah, then it wasn't. Like, yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it wasn't. It was like kind of a, more of a big deal back then. And, we and then a lot of our friends, like, uh, you know, I don't want to play Coven too late in the set, but like, yeah, <laughs> really, it was like four songs in. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like all those scary things I was like about vocally, where I was like, I don't want to play the heavy song later. It's gonna ruin me. And now it's like not a thing anymore. Thank God. But back then yeah. it was scary. <laughs> Say, I think that was like the first time that that everyone everyone who wanted to see the band for the first time was there. Mm. Um, it was it was the, it was like it was our first like big show in Melbourne. So if anyone had like missed out on seeing us at like like support support shows and stuff, where like you know a quarter of the room maximum would have known who the band is, and then. Eventually, you grow your audience. You play that headline show. Some people must like might have missed out on tickets. Some people live too far away. Like Unify was that that one time where everyone could actually be there at the one time. Do you think that was um, the night you might have said goodbye to the underground band tag, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, I think Definitely so. Felt like um, it. Yep. Yeah, there, yeah. There was still a long, uh, still a long way to go after that. To to yeah. Get and I mean, no. Uh, when I say underground band, I mean no disrespect in saying that. But from what you're yeah. telling me, that you felt in your, in, you felt yourselves that you've, you'd shaken something, you know. I yeah, think for Ethan sure. and I, well, just as songwriters as well, I think being on that stage with all those people is like stuck in our heads as an image and feeling when we write other music now is like imagining bigger stages and bigger crowds and bigger interaction. It just like means more for where we push our sound and what we imagine it'll translate to live. Like, I think that was a big thing. I remember Ethan and I getting off that stage and being like, I think it was one of the first time we'd like hugged, hugged, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. And we were, yeah. and it was just like, I, cause you don't, you don't do that. 
And I was like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. And yeah, it was yeah. like, we don't really get off stage that often to feelings like that in that that sense. And it was like a really big moment for us as a band, I think. We'll go around the room. We'll say each give your favorite moment on the album. That might be a song. It might be a lyric. It might be an instrumental part. And then talk to us about what Butterfly means to you. We'll go in alphabetical order and we'll start with you, Ethan. So favorite moment on the album and then what Butterfly means to you. I'd probably have to say the reptile breakdown. It's a bit of a like cliche answer, but I don't know. It's still like the toughest thing on that album, I think. <laughs> um, and really that EP to me was like, a really good uh, like lesson learned for my songwriting, I think, and sort of gave me a nice bit of confidence as to like to sort of take on the next project, which was our you know debut full length album. Jacob, I would say probably the Parasite Chorus, just because it was such a different vibe for us um, that we just first gotten to explore, especially in my voice. Like it was the first time I kind of noticed the like my range because i didn't realize i could go as high as i do now and it was kind of cool to see that i can like be more of a i guess a valuable member as a musician i think and it was like that was the first time we really like took that for a spin and i I appreciate that looking back i think probably just that is just like a big confidence thing i think it'll always stick with me as like the first time we really pushed ourselves and it'll you know resonate with me for every release we do matt yourself um i would say probably this like the start like the intro riff of reptile um just because it still holds up so well now with like our live show um and people still go nuts for it and i, and I, and I still remember at the release show playing reptile and that riff coming in at the start and being able to see the whole room, like not even just like the front row, like the whole room front to back jumping at that moment, which is really, really cool. And you actually get to see it properly because the riff's so easy. You can actually like look up and take it all in. So yeah, that's, that's, that's like the, the part that's, that's stuck with me from that release. I think for that reason. My guests today on UNFD, the official podcast, are Ethan, Jacob, and Matt from Thornhill talking about their memories making and releasing their EP, Butterfly. Gentlemen, thank you for being on UNFD, the official podcast. Thanks for having us, dude. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining me here on UNFD, the official podcast. And to everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. As usual, this episode was written by Matt Doria and produced by Abby Lou Key. I'm going to hop away from the mic, but stay tuned for our next episode in a few weeks' time alongside the fifth installment in UNFD's 10th anniversary vinyl series. If you reckon you can guess what's coming up, feel free to hit us up on the socials. We certainly welcome all of your wild conspiracy theories. We've had a little bit of a change in the schedule over the past few weeks, so the hint we gave you in the last episode of the podcast actually applies to one a little further down the path. We're going to stray a bit from the formula this time and not give you a hint for what to expect next time around or are we maybe there was a subliminal message in this episode that gave it away for now of course you can grab a copy of thornhill's beautiful new butterfly pressing from 2400 
or unfdstore.com, as well as some jaw-droppingly juicy Thornhill merchandise. Take care, stay safe, and mosh on. Infinity.